Uh, good morning and uh, just, hey, welcome to Alive. We're so glad to have each and every one of you guys joining us both here in person and also if you're joining us online, we're glad to have you guys along for the journey as well. We are in our fourth and final week of our identity series. We took over the entire month of February and said we're going to find out who we are in Christ. We're going to look at some in Christ, in him realities. And if you're not familiar with what in the world does that mean? Basically, who are we? What's our, who is our, what is our true identity based on what God's word says about us and based on what his son Jesus did for you and I. As the Apostle Paul said in our our core scripture for this month in Acts chapter 17, verse 28, he says, for in him we live and we move and we have our being, right? This is our goal here. We loved how uh, the the Passion Translation says this verse. It says, "It, it is through him that we live and we function and we have our identity, This is huge, that in Christ, in him, we can live, we move, we literally have our identity wrapped up in him. That's been the heartbeat and our prayer for this series is that we'd all come to a greater revelation, a greater understanding of who we are in him, that we would find our true identity rooted in Christ, not the things of this world, not what people have spoken over our life, not what culture says we need to be, but about who God says we are and what we can have access to, amen? And so uh, this month we've seen that the Bible is chock full of promises in realities of who we are in him, right? We've mentioned this every week that in the New Testament alone, there's 155 Bible verses that deal with our identity in Christ. These are Bible scripture and verses that deal with, and they have the words in Christ, in him, in whom, by whom, through whom, by Christ, all of those kind of phrases. And uh, for deeper study, uh, we have actually put all those together in one document for you guys. If you want access to that, go ahead and show them the QR code there. You guys can take a picture of that. You guys can scan that later online. You can go back and look at that. But just, uh, just a little resource for you to, again, meditate on those things and get those down on the inside of you so you know who you are and whose you are. Amen. That will change the trajectory of your life. And as you guys know, we, we aren't looking at all 155. We, we barely scratched the surface of all of these, but we have went and been led by the Holy Spirit on which ones we needed to camp out. And we're going to continue that today with a few more. Uh, but in case you have jo- just joining us maybe for the first time, or maybe you missed a couple weeks in the series, just real quick crash course, where have we been and where are we heading? Week one, we talked about Godfidence, right? God plus confidence equals Godfidence, right? If we're going to know who we are in him, we have to have confidence and who God is. Otherwise, an in him reality does us no good, right? We, we talked about how we have an identity crisis on our hands in our culture, how Satan the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy, and speak lies and distort our true identity in Christ, right? And we talked about we built our confidence up, that man, we, we talked about we got to know whose we are, right? We're his. We got to know who we can boast in, which is the Lord, right? And we got to walk in that confidence. So that was week one. Week two was in or out, and we answered the question simply, what does it mean to be in Christ, right? And we learned that in Christ is a locative uh, phrase. It's a locative case in the Greek. It literally means to be locked up with Jesus Christ. Another way to say that is Jesus in Christ becomes our spiritual address, right? We all have a physical address and we have a spiritual address. When we're in Christ, we are in him, right? And we talked about how to renew our minds to being and remaining in him. Last week was, can I get a sub? Amen. 
How many of you guys ate a sub sandwich this week or even that day because of that message? I, I did, actually. I went to Jimmy John's on Monday. I meant to post a picture. Uh, I couldn't get the word sub out of my head. But we didn't talk about sub sandwiches. We talked about how Jesus is our substitute, right? Jesus is our substitute that last week um, we talked about, hey, because of the fall in, in the Garden of Eden, we have sin nature. We are spiritually dead or separated from God, and we needed somebody to come fix our spiritual condition, right? That's why Jesus came, right? He came and he took our place. We talked about how Jesus is and will always be the best substitute and what where our trade-offs were in that. And so hey, if you missed any of these messages, really foundational stuff. Stuff that you can hear over and over and over again to really build your faith in this. And so we have it on all the different platforms and YouTube, uh, Facebook. We got Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you guys get your content, we should be showing up there. So I encourage you guys to go back to that. But we're not done yet. Amen. We've got one more day, one more installment in this series today. I'm really, really excited because uh, we could stay on this topic forever, all right? We haven't even scratched the surface, and we'll probably bring this back again and keep going further in it at another time. But today, we are going to wrap things up and get a fresh perspective of how God sees us, okay? And so if you're taking notes, the title of the message today is simply, How God Sees You. We're going to talk about how God sees you. Let's press in this morning, and let's open up with a word of prayer as we prepare our hearts and our minds to receive from God's word today. Heavenly Father, we love you so much. And we just thank you for your presence here with us this morning. We thank you, Lord God, that your love is here, that your grace is here, your mercies are new for us today. Lord, we thank you that great is your faithfulness. We thank you for your presence, and we thank you, Lord, for the word of God that is the truth, that sets the captive free, Lord, makes way the path that we should walk on. And so, Father God, we pray right now that you would illuminate our minds and our hearts, Lord. Help us see ourselves how you see us, Lord God. Not how the world sees us, not what, how someone else sees us, but Lord, how you see us. And may that change the literal trajectory of our life, our, our mentality, our perspective today. Father, we thank you that we're transformed and made more in the image and likeness of you today by the teaching and preaching of your word. Father, we love you. We praise you for this, and we pray all this in Jesus' mighty name. And everybody agreed, said, amen. So how God sees you. You know, we, we, we need to see clearly, right? Oftentimes it can get muddy or fuzzy. Any of you guys wear uh, glasses or contacts or corrective lenses or had LASIK or anything? Let me see oh, show of hands. I, I'm a contact guy. I also wear glasses. And uh, I need these things, you know, like, like, I don't know about you guys, like, maybe it's just a little correction, like, if I'm not wearing this, it's, it's bad, right? If I don't have my contacts in, if I'm not wearing my glasses in, things get fuzzy, right? Things are blurred, right? Sometimes our identity becomes like that, right? Over time, maybe we knew who we were at one point, but things get, glasses, have you ever had water splash up or mud and you don't have one of those towels to wipe it and it's just kind of there and it's just bugging the heck out of you, right? Sometimes I think the enemy attaches stuff to our life and he clouds our vision of who we really are and we need fresh vision, amen? We might, we might need a checkup, right, to make sure we're seeing clearly of who God has called us to be and what he has done for us. And so today, we're going to take care of that because we live in a culture that thrives off of other people's opinions about us. Social media, the media, right? What's going on in culture? What's hot, right? 
We also, we need to remember that we've all grown up in different backgrounds and family units and, and contexts and cultures. So we, we come from different places with wounds and hurts and all of that, right? And, and we're gonna, we need to get God's opinion of us because if we just go by what that has happened in the past of us, it's not gonna be the clear vision that God has for us. And so I wanna read uh, Romans chapter 12, verses one through three. I love this. It says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God that you present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. He says, he goes on in verse two, and do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. For I say through the grace given to me to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. There's a, there's a lot in this pa short passage of scripture. In verse two, it says, do not be conformed to the way of the world. What does that mean? That means don't let the world give you the definition of who you're supposed to be or what you're supposed to be doing or not doing, or don't let the world lower your bar. Don't let the world lower your standard spiritually because everyone else is doing it that goes to church or that's a Christian or goes to the church down the road or whatever. No, no, no. Don't be conformed to this world but be transformed, right? We need a refreshing, a, a new vision, right? And then he goes on and says, don't think of yourself more highly than you ought. This one's tough, right? This one's called pride. Don't think of yourself more highly than you ought. But if he said you can think of yourself more highly than you ought, the opposite is also true, that we need to stay away from that ditch, which is the other side. Don't think of yourself more lowly than you ought, right? That is actually insecurity, and insecurity in its purest form is also a form of pride. So pride is when I'm all that in a bag of chips, and pride's actually like I'm a worm and I, don't, I, I can't do anything. God, in his word says, he opposes, he wholly stiff arms the proud, but gives more grace to the humble, right? So we need to be in the middle of the road on this. How does God see us? We don't want to be too puffed up, and we don't want to be too lowly. We need to be right on track with who God has called us to be, his truest identity. And so for the remainder of our time, I hope you guys are ready. We're going we're gonna to look at how God sees us. And I could talk for days on this, but I, I picked seven ways that God sees us, seven things, all right? And uh, some of you are like, holy cow, he does three-point three sermons, and we're here until, you know, lunch is closed. No, it's going to be quick, quick hitters. We're going to be like, pew, 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 all right? So you guys ready? You guys got your seatbelts buckled? All right, here we go. Number one, God sees you as righteous. All right, we already talked about this in week two, but it's such good news, it's worth repeating one more time before we end this series, right? God sees you as righteous. 2 Corinthians 5, 21. Remember what it says in God's word. For he, God, made him, Jesus, who knew no sin, to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. There's a lot of big words there. What does that mean? Jesus, who was sinless, became sin for us that we might have the righteousness of God in Christ. We talked about what righteousness means. It is one of the best gifts that we could ever receive as a believer in Jesus when we take our place in him. It means that we can stand before God without guilt or inferiority as if our sin never even existed. That is good news. Come on, somebody. That is such good news. If you want to summarize it, you and I have right standing with God. God ain't mad at us. We tight. Us and God, we can be tight. We can be cool. He's not mad at us. 
right? We can be the righteousness of God. Now, apart from him, our righteousness, we already talked about that week too, filthy rags. But his righteousness makes us right. And so here's the deal. When it talks about how God sees you, he sees you and he calls you righteous. So we need to begin to see ourselves as righteous. We need to stop seeing ourselves as the enemy sees us as sinful and wicked and lustful and impure and and guilty and worthless and purposeless. That's how the enemy sees you. God doesn't see you like that, amen? So if you're stuck in that hole today, just remember, I am righteous, not because of what I've done, but because of everything that Jesus already do. It's time for us to get a new perspective, to put on some fresh lenses, right? You have right standing with God. You no longer have to feel guilty or have condemnation come on you, shame and guilt. You have been set free because of what Jesus did for you, right? So God sees you as righteous. Here's what I heard him say in prayer this morning. So start acting like it. That's a challenge to me too. God sees you as righteous, so start acting rightly. Amen? Be who God has created you and called you to be. God sets the bar, we rise up to it. Amen? Not because of our own merit or because we're at church and somebody's not or we're better than anybody else. All simply because Jesus became sin for us. So we become right standing with God. Amen? Everyone say, I'm righteous. righteous. Number two. Look at this. We're already on point two. We're doing good. All right? Number two. God sees you reigning as a king. All right? Now, ladies, queen too. We'll talk about this. All right? I don't want to be masculine today. All right? All right. We'll talk about it. All right? Romans chapter 5 verse 17. God sees you as reigning as a king. Romans 5, 17, for if by one man's offense, death reigned through the one, much more for those who receive the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one, Jesus Christ. So what's going on here? In the beginning of that, through one, lowercase one, Adam. Through one, sin reigned, right? But through one, capital O, Jesus Christ, We can reign in life. The amplified translation of this verse literally means and says reign as kings. You and I can reign as kings in life because of what Jesus did for us. This is how God sees us. Some of you are like, I never thought I was royalty. Well, get a new vision today. God sees you as a king, as a queen, right? Paupers don't reign. Servants don't reign. Who reigns? And back in this culture, kings reign. Who calls the shots? The king. Who has the authority? The king. We can reign as a king in life. Revelation chapter 1, verses 5 and 6. At the end of the book, we get another clue that we're supposed to reign and rule in this life. And from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, and the ruler over the kings of the earth, to him who loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood, verse 6, and has made us kings and priests to his God and Father, to him be the glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Who has made you, made us, kings and priests. He isn't making us, what's the tense on this verse? Has made you, already been done. Has made you, has already been done, amen? You are a king or a queen, all right, however you want to say it, right? Right, you got your tiara or your crown, all right? God wants us to reign in life. And so this this should affect everything. 
I'm not going to be lowly. Oh, man, I'm a worm. I'm nothing, whatever. When, when God's calling me to be a king. Don't think of yourself more lowly than you ought in Christ. Amen? He's elevating some of our faith today. He's, he's putting our eyes up. And, oh, that's what God thinks about me. That's how God sees me, right? We got to see ourselves how the Father sees us. Amen? And so, so here's the deal. This should affect everything. This affects our confidence. This affects our finances. This uh, affects our relationships. This affects our job, right? And so what are we supposed to do with that? I'm supposed to reign as a king. A good question to ask the Holy Spirit as reflection on this is, in what area or areas of my life am I not reigning as a king in? Where am I not reigning? Where do I, where I feel like I've lost control or authority? Maybe it's your marriage. Maybe it's financially. Maybe it's uh, with, with parenting and your kids. Where do you feel like things are a little out of control and you need to take your rightful place as a king and a priest in that situation? Not because of your awesomeness, but because of his awesomeness, amen? The king of kings calls you a king, amen? The only person that has authority on this planet to call you a king is the king of kings. And when you take your place in the king of kings, you can become like him. Amen? You aren't him. You can become like him. Amen? He rules. He reigns. He calls the shots. We can rule. We can reign. We can call the shots. Amen? Some t- someone needs to take authority back from that relationship situation that's messed up right now and say, get under my feet, devil. Amen? Put him back in his place. Take back that authority. Someone say, I reign as a king or a queen. Ladies, right? Number two. Number three, God sees you as blessed. Come on, I'm just building faith this morning. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. You can tell I'm excited about this. Why? Because this is the truth of God's word. And when we put on these lenses, it changes things. So number three, God sees you as blessed. Ephesians chapter one, verse three. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ. There's an in him reality. In Christ, what? What do we have? Every spiritual blessing. Not just some of them. Not just the ones he's feeling that day. Every spiritual blessing belongs to us. God sees us as blessed. God has given you the best and you are blessed. Amen. Everything we have need of, we have it and we can find it in him. What does that mean? That means you are too blessed to be stressed. You're too blessed to be depressed. You're too blessed to live with unrest. Come on, somebody. Dr. Seuss here just walked in the room, right? Come on. Hallelujah. You're too blessed for all of that. God sees you better than that. We're limited by our vision right here. We see, we get stuck right here. God sees us as blessed and he calls us blessed. God doesn't see you as barely getting by scraping along, hobbling along. God doesn't see you that way, so don't you see yourself like that. Take your place in Christ. Here's the deal. If you need joy, you've got it in him. If you need provision, you got it in him. If you need healing, you got it in him. If you need wisdom, you got it in him. If you need rest, you got it in him. If you don't know how to handle that situation that's been ticking you off or bothering you, guess what? He does, so now you do, amen? If you don't know which direction to go in your life and you got paths going every way, guess what? Guess who knows that path? He does, so that means in him, you know how to do that, amen? 
Come on, you are blessed. He calls you blessed. Rise up and be blessed. Is it making any sense today? So if God sees you blessed, start walking in the blessing, amen? Start walking in it. Expect it, look for it, and receive it by faith, amen? Someone say, I'm blessed. I'm blessed. Point four, the quickest I've ever been in point four of any message in the history of a live family church. This is a historic day, guys, all right? Just take note. Number four, God sees you as seated with Christ. What does that mean? Hey, we're going we're gonna to read a couple verses for you, all right? We're going to look at Ephesians chapter 1, verse 20. We're going to go all the way to Ephesians 2, verse 7. I'm not going to put all those up there on the screen. We'll, we'll highlight one in a second. So just listen to this. Ephesians 1 is the chapter, it's epistle. Paul's talking about how to pray, right? The, the, the eyes of your heart and be enlightened, all this stuff. And then he starts talking about what Jesus did for us. Okay, so just check and listen. In verse 20, God, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in heavenly places, far above principality and power and might and dominion, every name that is named, not only in this age, but also which is in the age to come. Verse 22, and he put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. You guys got the scriptures. Praise God. Look at you guys. All right. Chapter two, and he made, and you he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom we also were once conducted ourselves in the lust of the flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, just as the others. Verse four, but God, who is rich in mercy, because of his great love with which he loved us, he loved you, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up together, made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness towards us in Christ. There is a lot in there. That's a whole message for another day. But the one thing that we need to understand is when Scripture was originally written and gathered, there were no chapters or divisions. Man did that to make it easier for us to understand and reference. So chapter 1 was one continuous flow in into chapter 2. Chapter 2, verse 1 starts with the word and. If you're an English teacher, you don't start a new thought with the word and. It means there was something already there and all that. So the first part of Ephesians 1 was talking about what Jesus did. Second, then we get over into chapter two and it talks about who we are because of what Jesus did and what God did through him, right? And when we see this in Ephesians chapter two, verse six, what did it say? It said, and he raised us, he raised you. He raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Sounds really awesome. What on earth does that mean? What does that mean? Well, here's the deal. In the previous verses, if all things are under Jesus' feet and we're in Jesus, and when Jesus was raised, we were raised, and when Jesus sat down, we sat down, guess what? All things are under our feet if we are in Christ. Amen? There's a victory mentality, not a victim mentality, when we understand where we are seated. 
If you're struggling in an area of your life, you're probably not seated in the proper seat. Sir, ma'am, take your seat in Christ and get that thing underneath you, amen? Get that mentality. It may not be all worked out yet. You still might need to seek God and all that stuff. I'm not saying it's magic dust or throw a wand and it all gets better, but understand your mentality, the vision, how God sees you is you are seated with Christ. That means everything's under your feet. You're at the top of the top. You're seated. And so Jesus sat down. Why does somebody sit down? Because the job's done. Remember what he said on the cross? It is finished. Satan, game over. You're busted, disgusted, you lost. Right? When the work has been done, you sit down. When Jesus was seated at the right hand of the Father, the Bible, the Bible, not Pastor Eric, not all the doctrine, not the domination, the word of God says that you are seated there spiritually. You aren't physically there. You're here. It'd be pretty cool to be there. But spiritually, that is our address in Christ, we are there. He wants us to rule and reign from that place. So when we take our place in Christ, we're seated with him. So here's the deal. You don't have to look far for God. You don't have to be like, God, where are you? Where are you in my life? He's right there next to you. If you're seated with Christ and Christ is at the right hand of the Father, God's right here. Does that make sense? If you need to talk to God, I remember this in Bible school, just turn head left. I remember that all the time. Sometimes I turn to the left in prayer because I'm seated at the right hand. So if I'm at the right, God's at the left and he's right there. Right, but we distance ourselves, we, we get caught up in stuff, and we say, oh, I'm not worthy, and all of that. Man, you are seated with Christ. And maybe the enemy's bumped you out, you've been playing musical chairs with the world, and, and one, one round, there wasn't a chair for you, and so you, you just took, you, Jesus' chair was gone, and so you're just like, I guess I'll just do it in my own strength. I'll just try to make this work in my own strength. No, no, no. Take your rightful seat in Christ, daughter of the Most High, gentleman of the Most High God. Come on, somebody, and get seated where Christ is seated. Everything else will be under your feet. You don't have to live a lowly life because God's called you up to the high place of being seated with his son, Jesus. Amen? So begin to see yourself, begin to speak about yourself and view yourself in the same light that God does. It will change the way you act. It will change the way you think. It will change the way you speak. It will change the way you interact with others. Amen? Someone said, I've been raised. And I've been seated with Christ. Amen. You have. You have. That's good preaching. Good job. <laughs> Number five, God sees you as an overcomer. First John 5, 4, for whatever is born of God. Anybody born of God in here? Anybody born again knows Jesus, loves Jesus, put him as your Lord and Savior? If you have not, you can do that at the end of service today. For whatever or whoever is born of God, guess what? Overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. I think in a previous week, we looked at Romans chapter 8. I don't have it for the screens. They just talked about how we are more than conquerors in Christ. That's, that's good news for us, right? We can walk over the top of our circumstances because God has called us an overcomer. We're not a loser in Christ. We are a winner in Christ. Amen. God is for you. He wants the victory. He's already won the battle. The battle belongs to him. We were singing about it this morning. It's already been done. He already sat down. Job finished. We need to just take our rightful place in him. Because here's the deal. Nothing's impossible for God. And if we're in him, then guess what? Nothing's impossible for us. Amen? Come on, I can do all things 
through Christ, who is my strength, Paul said. We should be able to say the same thing, that we are an overcomer, right? We learned this in Bible school, this tenacity, this faith that no matter what comes your way, no matter what circumstances might say, no matter what's going on, no matter how hard it gets, I cannot be defeated and I will not quit. Amen? You got to have that faith attitude where it's like, hey, my God is stronger than any circumstance. My God is stronger than any random text I didn't see coming and the news that has shocked me. He knew about it. He's not scared. He's not shocked. He's not worried, right? You might be confused and not understand what to do, but he knows what to do. Amen? He knows what's coming around the next corner. He knows what opportunities are before you. He knows how that thing's all going to work out for your good and for his glory. Amen? So you don't have to be worried. You don't have to be afraid. You can walk in the victory as an overcomer. Someone shout, I'm an overcomer. You are an overcomer in Christ. Number six, God sees you as prosperous and healthy. Prosperous and healthy. Third John 2. Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health just as your soul prospers. If you ever doubted if God wants good for you, if God wants you to be blessed and, and to be taken care of and well in your body. Beloved, I pray that you'd be in health and be prosperous even as your soul prospers. We serve a God who wants us prosperous and wants us blessed and, and puts no apologies or strings attached to that. The scholars tell us that, the, that John who wrote this was probably over 90 years old when he wrote this, kind of near the end of the thing. And he's talking about being prosperous and blessed and healthy in his body. He has a relationship with the Father. God says you're prosperous and healthy. This is, becomes a facts versus the truth war. The doctor's report may not look good. The facts say you have this condition or you have this disease or this illness. Praise God for medicine to discover that. God made the doctors. He made medicine, right? He, he, he made it all. He knows how it works. But the truth of the word of God says that by his stripes, you are healed. Amen? Truth, facts, truth. Facts, truth. Right? Maybe, maybe you're here and things are looking tight financially for you. Maybe, maybe you lost your job. Maybe you got a demotion or you're taking a pay cut or you got an unexpected bill that you weren't expecting or tax return isn't looking as bright as you thought it was going to be. And now you're like, how are we going to do that or pay for that or whatever? Paul said by faith that my God shall supply all my needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Remember who your source is. Remember who you serve. Remember who loves you. Remember who's got it all taken care of. Amen. God wants you prosperous and he wants you blessed. He wants to take care of your needs. So here's the deal. If God's got it covered, don't sweat it. If God's already got it covered, don't sweat it. Don't stress about it. He's got it. It's on its way in Jesus' name. Just rise up by faith and grab a hold of that this morning because that is for somebody, amen, that will set you free from what ifs, that will set you free from the harassment of the enemy of, oh, this is what's going to happen and this is how it's going to turn out and then this is going to be a result of that. Come on, silence the liar in the pit of hell and take your place and say, you know what? My God wants to be prosperous and my God wants to be blessed and my God wants to be healthy, whole, and healed in Jesus' name. Somebody say amen to that. That's how God sees you. 
That's how God sees you. Can you grab my Bible real quick? Sometimes we've got to change our mirror. You know, a lot of us get up in the morning and, wow, look at look how good I look, right? Look at, I just really can't, can't teach this, you know? Right? Just being real. Or someone's like, whoa! <laughs> right? That's the natural. Spiritually, what's your mirror? Is it social media? Is it what your father or a loved one or somebody who had weight in your life at one point when you're younger spoke over you negatively or a teacher and said you'll never be able to do this or you're always a screw up or why do you always got to be like this and you, you let that label, that becomes your mirror and you view your life through that mirror. God's got another mirror for us. It's called the word of God. And every day when we wake up, yeah, get your hair did and make it look good. But you need to get the other mirror of the word open. You begin to see, oh my gosh, I'm blessed. Man, I get to sit with Christ. I've been raised with Christ. I'm prosperous and healthy and whole and healed. I'm blessed. I'm righteous. Begin to see yourself how God sees you before you go out into that day and off to work. That will change your perspective. They'll change how you work. They'll change how you witness. They'll change how you act, right? When you got the right mirror. If you're looking at the wrong mirror, you're getting the wrong image. If you're getting the wrong image, you're taking the wrong identity. Christ is over here saying, I already got it all figured out. I got so much good. Man, you look so good in Christ. Whew. Dang, I look good. Whew. God's like, I tied that bow. I know how many hairs are on that head. He does. And he knows who you are. So do you know who you are? Amen? Take that back here. I got one more for you because seven's God's holy number of completion. Amen? Can't end on six points. Come on. And this one's really important, and we were singing about it just a few minutes ago. Number seven is this. God sees you as loved. God sees you as loved. Just let that sink in for a minute. We say it here all the time. God's not mad at you. He's madly in love with you. That's the father we serve. He's unlike any earthly father. He loves you all the time. All the time. When you're acting a fool, he loves you. When you're being disobedient, you know what's right, but you choose to do wrong, he loves you. When you made a wrong decision, or you looked at something you shouldn't, or you said something you shouldn't, he loves you. When you were running a million miles away, I don't want God, I don't want church, I don't need any of this, I got it, I'll do me. And you're running a million miles the other way, God loves you. And even when you're on your way back and you're stumbling, you're like, oh man, that was bad. I came to my senses like the prodigal and I'm coming back home. You're not even there yet. He loves you. And when you collide with the father, arm to arm, chest to chest, he hugs you and he says, son, daughter, I love you. He loves you. In Christ, nothing can separate you from the love of God. Romans 8, 38 and 39, for I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us, separate you from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. So when you're in Christ, nothing can separate you from that love. That love will transform you. That love has changed my life, has changed my family's life. I believe and I pray every day it's changing my kid's life and my legacy. 
cutting down a new path, cutting down new trees for this family tree. This love of God is never ending. And it's so hard to fathom and comprehend. See, all over the Bible, especially in the New Testament, it calls believers beloved. They start letters with beloved. We just read it like it's some scriptural thing. Slow down. Be love it. <laughs> be loved. Yo, you, daughter, son, be loved. Today, be loved by God. Tomorrow, when the kids throw up and the sippy cup flies in the van and you forget their book club and, and you're not feeling well, be loved. Right, when the bill comes, you're like, what the heck? I wasn't expecting that. How could they? This is a ripoff. What the? Be loved. When you made a bad decision and you're feeling like this high and nothing else is going good for you, be loved. Be loved. Someone say, I'm loved. Say it again, I'm loved. You are. God sees you as love, so walk in his love. Experience his love. This is some good stuff, amen? I heard a minister by the name of Mark Hankins one time say this. I love this. Let this kind of ring as you leave today. You look so much better in Christ than you do out of Christ. Come on now, if you want a new mirror, you look so much better spiritually in Christ versus outside of Christ. So don't lose the right mirror. God's word, right? Find out what God says about you and make that your confession. You wanna change your life? Find out what the word of God says about it and start speaking it over your life. Faith confessions make reality in our life. These in him realities aren't good sounding theories. They are the truth that God speaks about you. And so we have to meditate and settle these down on the inside, begin to say the same thing, begin to speak the same thing over our lives. So may you never forget how God sees you. He sees you as righteous. He sees you as reigning as a king or a queen. He sees you as blessed. He sees you as seated with his son in heavenly places, far above everything. He sees you as an overcomer and victorious. He sees you as prosperous, healthy, and he sees you loved. Just sit in that this morning. One last thing as we close, side thought. It's so important to get a hold of who you are in Christ. This is, this is a timely series because the, the world has got other plans for you. The enemy's got other plans for you, and time is short. But once you figure out and discover who you are in Christ, that changes everything. And one of the most important reasons why the series needed to happen was because we need to remind ourselves who we are in him. But we can stop there and be very selfish with this word and forget why God always does something in our life. It's yes, he wants to bless us, but he's got somebody else in mind too. There's somebody else on God's heart and God's mind that does not know this, that isn't walking in this. And so in this important season that we are in a church community, as we're a few weeks, we're gonna be cracking our doors open at our first permanent ever home and in our new space and welcoming home more people. I gotta believe, because we've been praying our brains out. There are people walking through our doors in a few weeks that don't know who they are in Christ. They don't know that God loves them and that they're loved. They don't know that they've been made the righteousness of God in Christ. They've had all this crap put on them. 
And they said, well, I guess that's the card. It's the hand that God dealt me. And they just accepted it as his will for their life. Not on our watch. Not in our backyard. Not when we still have breath in our lungs and blood in our veins. We're here on a mission to help people know God personally. That means to know who the source of their identity is and to help them live for him passionately, which is actually walk in who they are in Christ. Amen? We're on mission together. It's a beautiful mission. It's an honor. It's a privilege. So what do we do? We need to rise up and take our place in Christ. Amen? Take our authority in Christ and help set another person free. Amen. I believe God's going to do it in a supernatural way. Man, your eye has seen, no, your ear has not heard the things that God has in store in this next season. Amen. There's an anticipation. There's a hunger. There's a faith. What's God's doing all over this globe right now? His spirit is moving. God is stirring in us. Come on. We ain't playing church. We are the church. Amen. We're not trying to know about God. We want to be in him, right? Locked up perpetually, infinitely in Christ, in him, and living from that place and setting other people free. Amen. Would you go to the Father in prayer with me as we close today and just ask him for help in digesting all of this and what we've talked about this month. Heavenly Father, we love you so much, and we just praise you, and we thank you for your word. We thank you. Father, for setting us free. We thank you, Father, for who we are in you. Thank you for helping giving us fresh vision this morning and seeing ourselves, how you see us as righteous, as blessed, as seated with you, as as reigning as kings, as victorious and overcomers, as prosperous and healthy, as loved. Father, may these truths resonate and reverberate on the inside of us. May we meditate on these and make them our own. Father God, we thank you that we get a new mirror, the word of God. And every single day when we are getting ready, we're getting ready physically, but we're also getting ready spiritually. We put on these things. We put on the new man. We put on the new identity. We find our truest identity in you, Father. And so, Father God, may we live from this place. And Father, our hearts are burdened and stirred and expectant for others that yet to know this. Lord God, that we would not keep this for ourselves, but Father God, we would share it with somebody else. We'd help lead them along the path to find their true identity in you, Father God, to set them free, to to wash them, Father, to cleanse them, to pick them up out of the pit, Father God, to clean them off just like you've done for us. Father, we'd ask you for a special wave and a special anointing, Father, of people finding their true identity in you in this next season, Father God. Use us. And may we always be armed and ready to give a reason for our faith and for our joy. It's because of what you've done, Lord Jesus. We love you. We praise you. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. How God sees you.